Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Potty Magic. Thank you so much for everyone that's tuning in regularly and listening to all the episodes. Loving all the feedback and really do appreciate everybody subscribing, following along uh, and rating the episodes as well. I've got a big episode here today. I had premiership superstar, Norm Smith medalist and uh, radio uh, host here in Perth, Andrew Embley, on the podcast. He played for West Coast Eagles. Uh, unbelievable career. Uh, there's some ripper stories in here about Ben Cousins, uh, the the premiership uh, years with uh, West Coast, how he got his first game, the Demolition Derby, the Demolition Derby Part 2, and uh, so much more as well. So uh, make sure you tune on in, uh, and remember to like, subscribe, uh, share, and uh, most importantly, rate uh, the episode and podcast. A big five stars on Spotify, Apple Music, or uh, YouTube, wherever you're listening in and tuning in on. Uh, but bloody love your work. Let's get into the podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Potty Magic. Uh, very, very excited for this uh, uh, episode here today because I've got an absolute ripper bloke with me. Um, and uh, we're at the Triple M um, studios today. So yeah, doing cool, this hey? Pretty cool, pretty yeah. cool. Um, and I uh, do my research on, uh, on his career. Played 250 toughest nails games for uh, West Coast uh, Eagles. 2006 Premiership player, Norman Smith medalist, uh, and uh, now he's a he's a big uh, tuna fish in the in the uh, in the radio um, world here in Perth. How good? Please welcome Andrew Embley. Hey, thanks, Madge. Oh, thanks mate. for having us. Oh, welcome mate. to Triple M. This is it, and we've gone. Yep. I, we, I've been to the um, when it was 92 downstairs sure, for yep. something before, but we're up a level here. The mate, big dogs we, are up I'm the top you, level. Yes, unfortunately though, the lift wasn't working for us. I know today. we had to take so the stairs. The stairs. Oh. I was not happy. Yeah. Yeah, right. You so almost quit the show first for this bit of afternoon. I've done for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> bloody stairs, but anyway, we got here. So no, love it, love it's, it. It's nice to uh, to be with you, and looking forward to having a chat. Man, I can't wait to hear all the stories. You had, um, you know, a, a stacked full career, really long career, mm. some really cool things that happened in it, and I can't wait to hear all the stories. And I know that you can, you're a great storyteller. You're uh, on the radio <laughs> here at Perth. Um, you're you're a you're a wizard at it. So uh, if you think of anything at any point, mm. just stop us and just run with the story, sure. and we'll get back into whatever we got so um so yeah like i said you had a massive career um and someone that maybe didn't see you playing growing Mm. up or whatever how would you describe your own career what were you like as a player listen i i had a a great career really enjoyable one as a kid i played a variety of sports but afl was definitely the game that i wanted to to play and 
but you never really know how good you are. Yeah. You know, I knew I was you know an okay player, but wasn't always the best player in my team. Yeah, and played some state schoolboys, played some teal camp, and got drafted to the West Coast Eagles as a seventeen year old. So it was probably around that sort of fifteen sixteen when we had a, a carnival over in Darwin against some of the best kids around the country and had a reasonable carnival. And you grew up in Perth, eh? Perth boy, yeah. yes. Yeah, Perth boy. So, And that's probably when I realised that, you know, I had a bit of ability. But as you know, you know, ability will only take you so far. You need a lot of other attributes to make the most of the opportunity that you get. Yeah. And I was really fortunate that I got a, an incredible opportunity at the West Coast Eagles. And first of a few years, took me a while to sort of find my feet and, you know, understand the... The professionalism and the commitment required to, to make the most of that chance that you, you get. But once you actually realise that and once you play one game and get a taste for it, you don't want to be like an average player that plays for three years or four years and a few games. You, Absolutely. You want to be in there as long as you can. You want to have success with the team. So I we I was very fortunate to play with some of the best midfielders in the game at the time. Obviously, Cuz, Judd. Curry, Dean Cox, one of the best ruckmen ever. So as much as big I names, yeah, big names, names, yeah. So as much as I would have mind spending a bit more time on ball, <laughs> as you can imagine, uh, there's some those guys, guys there. There's some know, guys that were they maybe sort of push you out before. to the wing. So <laughs> I, um, I was a uh, you know a wingman half forward for most of my career, and it was a role that I really enjoyed playing, especially when the guys were up and about and going well. It was uh, a really good team to be a part of, and I um, you know loved kicking goals. So, How good is kicking snags? Oh, so snags good. are the best. For they those guys best. out there that you know want to sort of pass the ball off to a oh, teammate, why? don't worry about that. <laughs> Just go bang from 55, you know, every single time. The amount of times I've got sprays from Lynchy or Mark yeah. McRae were like coming out on a lead. It's like, mate, sorry, I didn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so straight good. for the big sticks, eh? So yeah, good, that's so right. good. And uh, you touched on some of the stuff just then, but I guess going back to you like growing up, yeah. and did you have like a big football family? Did you have brothers, sisters? Were they all uh, involved? Yeah. Yeah, so I um, my dad um, was born in Burma, so he yeah, came right. over. Really? Wow. Yeah, so he came over when he was six or seven years of age. Um, Burmese family knew absolutely nothing, obviously yeah. about AFL football. So he went down to his local primary school at Vic Park, and Peter Bazusto was uh, a guy, obviously you know Carlton champion, and played a little bit of football with dads in juniors and he, he often comes up to me and says oh your dad ended up being a really good player but he hurt his knee when he was about 17 18 never played football again so he uh, dad did pick it up pretty quickly but obviously not natural to yeah, him being yeah. born over there That's in sort of like quite a tricky game to pick up if you're not if you don't grow up yeah you know, it's it's pretty like unique with lots of yeah. lots of things well, about Nick it. Well, Nick Nat says a lot about that. Yeah. Obviously, he knew nothing about sort of football growing up um, in the streets there. I think Midvale, and I think he had uh, Sonny Walters and mm. Chris Yaron and a few other guys that basically taught him, you know, how to play football. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's not an easy game, as you said, to pick up. But Mum come from a, a family in Victoria in Ballarat, and her. Uh, you know, her sort of brothers played a bit of football and she had a little bit of height. So dad with his sort of small Burmese sort of height. And I, you so know, got offered it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I got yeah, mum's nice. height, I think, a little bit. <laughs> so, but they said as a kid, I was just obsessed with sports and cricket and football. So I spent my whole childhood in the backyard just playing football. And as a kid, all I ever did wanted to do was play for Swan Districts growing up in Bassendine. And so, who's like your favourite players and yeah, role models? Yeah, well that's right. So I used to love watching guys like Troy Eugle. Um, you know, he was uh, he's uh, number 35. He used to take big hangers in the goal square. 
only thing is I could never jump. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I got to sort of meet him because I used to always go down to Bassendine and, and watch him play. And then I got a, a phone call um, to come down to training one day and I got on the massage you know, table, and I was getting a massage, and Troy walked up, and he goes, hey, young fella, get off. Yeah. <laughs> this is my table. Is so my I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, Troy. Yeah. 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 I was very happy to get off for him. But, yeah, so I, um, you know, I had a great childhood and played a variety of sports, as I said, but footy was my, my number one priority, and I was uh, really fortunate to get that opportunity. Yeah, wicked. And uh, you were in the 1999 draft pick 57, that's right? Yeah, that's right. So ninety, I think 98 draft I was. So there was a rule actually back in 1998 where clubs could take only one 17-year-old. So I was a 17-year-old um, going into that 1998 draft. And Des Headland, he ended up going number one to Brisbane. Yep. WA boy, we knew that um, everyone was sort of talking yeah, about him. He was a gun. The, yeah, he was the a guy. 16-year-old, 17-year-old in the country and uh, deserved to, to go number one. Justin Longmuir actually sort of came from the clouds a little bit. He yeah. uh, didn't play a great deal of um, you know, state schoolboys or anything like that. And then Fremantle grabbed him at number two. And so really the only chance I had of staying in Perth was to go to West Coast with their 17-year-old pick or, yeah. or go to Melbourne. So I sort of wasn't guaranteed to get drafted but was sort of hopeful and when West Coast um, called my name out at 57, I was just absolutely stoked. Oh, but yeah. it was quite interesting because Paul Hazelby – was another player who was a 17-year-old. And I found this out a little bit later, but basically West Coast had a choice between myself and Paul Hazelby as their 17-year-old pick. Now, the recruiters were split. So half wanted Hazelby and the other half wanted Embley. And Mick Moldhouse was a coach at the time. He walked in, he saw some vision of me play in the past, and he believed that midfielders that could push forward and had height was the way the game was sort of going. Mm. So he said, on the back of that, we're going for Embley, yep. right? So they picked me. But fast forward two years later, right, Mick Boldhouse, right, he's pissed off to Collingwood, mm. right? I'm languishing in the waffle. Mm. And in the meantime, Fremantle picked up Paul Hazelby, who's just won the rising star and dominating. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah, the West yeah. Coast recruiters are going, jeez, God Nick, damn it, he's done his dirty up. <laughs> so, but, uh, it paid off later on down the track. The yeah, 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 a bit yeah. later on, yeah. Yeah, love it. And then like early days of West Coast, so you're walking in, and, and West Coast was obviously really successful yeah. throughout the 90s, big club, lots of big names. What was the hat walking, walking into oh, the was, first day of work? I was a West Coast supporter growing up, right? So to what do you mean going going on, my God, like my. to you know get drafted to a club. I mean, you, you're happy to go to any club. Mm. I could have hopped on a plane and gone to Melbourne. If I'd have my name had been called up, you know, out by a Melbourne club, I'd still be over there mm. because you know my loyalty, and I don't think I would have ever come back to Perth. So to get drafted to the West Coast Eagles, and then to be in the change rooms with guys that you grew up watching and admiring, it was life. just like it was quite surreal when I first walked in there. Yeah. Like it was like, wow, you know, suddenly I, I was sort of sitting in the change rooms thinking, should I walk up to Glenn Jacobys and ask for an autograph? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, it was, uh, not it was first really, day. Don't not first day. day, no, not first day. <laughs> so, but it was really cool and to be able to, you know, train and see the way that these guys prepared and, you know, obviously oh, I got the tail end off, you know, all those guys that won 92 and 94 flags. So that was sort of coming towards the end of their career, but, you learn so much from them and, you know, we got a, a taste, us young 
um, guys coming through of what was expected from us and, and what we needed to do to hopefully one day you know, be like them and become a premiership player. Yeah, and like when you're rocking up the train, were you trying to impress them? Was like, were you oh, going, oh, yeah, no, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Boy, um, I remember Chris Lewis used to hate training with me because I used to just like, you know, like a chook with my, you know, head cut off sort of thing and I'd run around, I had, you know, big gangly elbows yeah, and yeah, I'd yeah. be, you know, like hitting blokes and, and he was sort of coming towards the end of the career and he goes, mate, I don't need any I don't need, this I don't need Embley coming next to me. <laughs> You know, like I think he just refused to train when I was out there. So, but uh, yeah, I sort of sometimes had to sort of hold myself back a bit. But um, it was sort of the way, the only really way I knew how to go. Yeah, about yeah. It. And coach at the time was it um, Malthouse first? So I had Malthouse for one year, and then How we had uh, Malthouse was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had an enormous amount of time for Mick. He gave me an opportunity to play AFL football. He was. Uh, it was his last year, so you know, from all reports, he was a really tough coach. Yeah. But I think in his last year, and being my first year, being a young kid, you know, he gave me an enormous amount of time, and he, um, you know, taught me a lot about the game. And you know, I remember, he, you know, when he gave me my first game, he said, you know, make sure you don't count your games, make your games count. So that was, uh, you know, a really important message that he, um, you know, sort of stuck with me and you know, making the most of the opportunity. So, yeah, he was he was terrific and, um, and sort of got the ball rolling. For, Just one year. One year. Yeah. Then we had Ken Judge, the late Ken Judge. Um, he had us for a couple of years. Yeah. And then John Worsfold came in 2002. So yeah. had uh, Woosha from 02 till when we finished up in 2013. Hey, Legends, how you doing? Quick little break in the podcast here just to say thank you so much to all the regular subscribers, listeners and followers of the podcast thus far. I uh, have really, really enjoyed bringing you an episode every week of uh, 2023 uh, so far and can't wait to continue to do it all the way through. I really want to make Potty Magic uh, the biggest and baddest and best podcast it possibly can be um, and continue to bring uh, great guests on every single week, um, possibly get some sponsors, and again, just grow it as much as I can on uh, socials and uh, Spotify and Apple and YouTube as well. And I can really use your help for some of that. So uh, it only takes you a quick little second, but if uh, you wouldn't mind subscribing, uh, following, liking, sharing, and also, most importantly, uh, rating the episodes, it really does go a really, really long way for me to continue to um, bring you episodes each and every week and, again, get great guests. So if you wouldn't mind doing that again, subscribing, listening, rating, uh, liking, telling your friends, all the good stuff, uh, I really, really would appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, back to the podcast. Let's go. Were you getting games early as well? Like yeah, so I played a few years? games early on and I... Where'd you <sighs> debut? I debuted round one, actually, in 1999. So straight I, in the side. Straight into the side, which was, um, which was quite surreal. I you know, played a, a game for Trinity College. I think it was my last game. And then the next game that I played was you know, round one against Fremantle Dockers in a derby. Crazy. To start the 1999 season. So played nine games in my first year and, and got a taste for it. But probably the next few years after that, like I wasn't a bad kid or anything, but, you know, I'm young, I'm 18 start to enjoy all the things that come with AFL footy and probably you know, lost my way a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. it was a, probably a, a time... Way more of, fun partying. When oh, mate, you, you know, go, I'm yeah, thinking, what, what do you mean I don't have to line up to get to the nightclub? <laughs> what, you want to give me a drink card? <laughs> I said, how good's this? God, you want, you want that girl over there wants to come chat with me? Yeah. Oh, no worries, I'm good with that, yeah. So, no, things were going very well. Yeah, my social life was great. My football wasn't too good. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I remember there was a time, uh, it was the end of the 2002 season, and I'd, I'd come to the crossroads, and Woosh called me up. 
and I have said this before, but he called me into his office and and I remember driving into the club that particular day, it was the end of the season, and I'm thinking, I really hope this this is not the last time I'm at this football club because there had been a few clubs that were interested in my services. I wasn't quite sure where West Coast were at, whether they wanted me, whether they were going to flick me. And and I sat down with Woosh and I remember he looked me in the eyes and he said, mate, I'm going to be straight up with you. If you want to be part of this club going forward, you need to show a much better commitment and you've showed already, you need to be a lot more professional. And if you can do that, and you can say to me that you're in and you want to buy into hopefully some premiership success in the future, then you can stay. But if you can't commit to me right now, then you're out. So it's your choice. Yeah. So I just said, mate, I'm in. I don't want to play at any other club. And yeah. so I was actually flying out to London two days later on a footy trip with the guys. Yeah. So I cancelled my football trip. Got myself a personal trainer, yep. and I went and just smashed myself for two months and got yeah, myself so fit. And that and was what, what year was that? That was that was uh, the preseason of two thousand two. Yep. So like, or sorry, end of two thousand two, heading into the two thousand three season. So that two months off, where you know guys go, you know, travel, you know, and this was a time where I know the guys are a lot more professional now in their time. But that off. was like a big thing. That uh, was a big yeah, thing. Like yep. you know, going for a run, like in two thousand one, two thousand two, in my off season. It's yeah, like, yeah. You know, hang no on, chance. mate. I've got two months <laughs> of you know. You know, smashing down emu exports and, yeah, and traveling the world. You know what I mean? Like I'm, you know, like going for a run. Like, well, you drunk? <laughs> so anyway, I uh, got myself extremely fit, and and that was the first time where I realised what it took to be an elite AFL player. And I um I just went from being a sort of robust half forward in and out of the team a little bit. You know, having ten touches a game, maybe kicking a goal here and there, to playing on the wing and establishing myself in the competition in, in two thousand three. And, yeah. and never looked back after that. Yeah, wicked. And uh, gone back a couple of years before that, uh, the two thousand demolition debut. Yeah, you played that. I and did. That was only in the first couple of seasons that you've been running. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, Tell me. Oh that was the clips are insane. Yeah, like. that was that was hectic. <laughs> Actually, so where were you? What happened? Yeah, well, I I remember. So the night before, I sort of um, I was at I don't know why I was out, but I was at the Swan Districts Football Club, and Craig Callahan. So he played was at Fremantle at the time. He yeah. didn't play in the game, I don't think, but he was a Bassanine boy. I knew him, and he uh, he came up to me and said, "Oh, mate, just just be careful tomorrow. Like it's you know, like it's it's going to be on, you know." And I'm thinking. You know, it's a bit strange for you, you know, for you to say that. We just pumped you for the last. Uh, you've, you've never yeah, beaten us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know. So it's it, and I've spoken to Shawnee McManus. You know, a lot after this, and obviously it was something that was really premeditated by Fremantle. It was a line in the sand moment for them. They came out. They were very physical, and it was uh, it was on from the opening bounce. And but yeah, it was just it was probably the one time in a game of football where. You sort of you had to sort of look over your shoulder a little bit, like when you play yeah, AFL yeah, footy. Yeah. It's a safe game. Like I'm, I'm never worried about you know sort of someone you know, whacking me from behind yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. like that. So, but in this particular game, I'm thinking it was must have been like two games to go in the season. West Coast and Fremantle weren't playing finals. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a nothing game. It was, it was a nothing just... game. So it was. Um, yeah, I got beaten up pretty pretty badly. Um, but it was actually so out of that game, right? There was I think. 18 guys that had either been suspended or fined, right? Yeah. And I was one of those guys, right? Yeah. And everyone else put their hand up, right, and accepted their fine. Yeah. 
Besides me. Really? Right? So I actually went to the tribunal, right? I was the only person, right, that went to tribunal and I pleaded not guilty. So because, what, what, what were you well, supposed to have done, though? Well, this is what happened, right? So I got charged for a melee, right? Yeah. And I showed them vision, right, up on the um, on the screen. I said, listen, how's this a melee? I'm getting beaten up on the ground, right? Yeah, by, yeah, yeah. by Kick It and yeah. Shawnee Mac. And like, I said, it's four into one. I said, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I'm defending my life here. So they actually felt sorry for me and they let me off, oh, right? So I got my two thousand bucks back, oh, which was massive. Oh, Eighteen awesome. years of age, right? Oh. Two thousand dollars. That was the difference between me going to Bali on the football trip or yeah, not. Absolutely. So I was like, yeah. yeah so, uh, but uh, once the boys realised that I sort of jumped ship, they ended up finding me about two thousand bucks. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> I, I lost it in the end. But you know, it's not the principle. It's the principle, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. So oh, that's all time. And then I've heard. I actually had Ryan Crowley on the podcast. Yeah, um, a yeah. couple of episodes back. And there was a demolition derby part two that <laughs> yeah. there's no vision of. It was over in London. Now yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you what Ryan's story yes, was, okay, and yeah. then maybe you can just flip back and say your um you yeah. know uh, events. So to sum it up, pretty much that there's a game of footy, no one's watching, mm. um, and um, Ryan Crowley accidentally bumps one of the West Coast guys, hits him nice and clean, and then yeah. straight away gets up and grabs another West Coast guy and. Somehow, accidentally, he couldn't, he couldn't have stressed accidentally enough, <laughs> knocked him out, right? And then all of a sudden, everyone wants to kill Ryan Crowley, and it's on for the whole yeah. rest of the game. And then uh, then, the, then the, the coaches come in, and the coaches angry at each other, and then Daniel Chick's coming out to bash him up, and everyone's on, on, on Crowley. And then yeah. there's a post-game event, <laughs> and that was a bit tense. And then there's the team bus, and the three guys get on. <laughs> And in staunches Andrew Embley, <laughs> wanting blood. He goes, where is Brian Crowley? And he pushes everyone through, but then there's a wall of a man, Anthony Grover, that says, stop it now. And then, and then I think you got off the bus. But anyway, that was his version of yeah. this. I'd love to know your side You've of the You've got story. good mail. So it was the end of the uh, 2005 grand final. We went over to, to London. So we lost the grand final to the Spawns. We had an exhibition game over there. And so on the back of, you know, a footy trip, right, yeah. and then you playing Fremantle at the Oval, right? Uh, anyway, so I, you know, I had a good sort of solid five days. Um, morning of the game, I said to Wush, I said, listen, Wush, um, Hammy's a bit tight. And, you know, obviously we've got an important game round one coming up in four months' time. So I'm uh, you know, I reckon I'll sit this one out. What do you reckon? <laughs> so, so I didn't play. But uh, anyway, so me and Cuz and, uh, you know, Juddy and a few others, we didn't play in the game. So, you know, we we're on the coldies. And uh, I ended up, um, like, Ended up sitting in a box, right? And ended up being the late Alan Bond's box, oh, right? Wow. So Bondy's so, so, so Bondy and his family are up there and somehow we're watching this game of football, right? You know, in Bondy's box and you know, chatting away and uh and then sort of like you when you're sort of you know having a couple and you're not the, the game's on, so West Coast playing Fremantle, you know, at the oval and there's a bit going on there, but you're sort of watching it, not really sort of watching it and yeah. didn't think too much of it. And then at the end of the game, I walked into the change rooms and Woosh is going mad, like mm. completely mad, right? And and I said, Woosh, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, fucking Crowley. And, you know, I said, well, what do you do? You know, and uh, anyway, a few boys said, oh, he's been running around, you know, sniping some of the young kids. I said, that's it. I said, where is he? That, that, that's all I, I need to hear. That's okay. it. I said, so I stormed out, right? And I and then and then I saw him getting onto the Frio bus. So I come charging up the bus, right? Fucking pushed a few blokes out of the way. Got on the like, started walking up the steps, and Anthony Grover just grabbed me. And, he, and I know I know Groves, and he can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, and, he goes, and I'm that crowd. I said, come here. And, 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 and he goes, and he goes, Embers, have a look around. There's forty to one. Like I said, mate, like you've just got no chance. Yeah, yeah. So just. Off, you know? 
And I said, I'll get you, Crowley. I'll, I'll find you. So uh, anyway, that night I think I was going from bar to bar, hoping that I'd run into him. I never did. But <laughs> we, um, we had some great on-field uh, yeah, rivalry, Crowley and I. We uh, had a, a lot to um, say to each other and we had a lot of Barneys. But I Were you must good on admit, the yap as well? I didn't mind having a yeah, yap. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did remind him uh, uh, a few things from time to time, which I probably can't say. <laughs> but but the w- one thing that I will say, post footy, we actually, um, you know, we, we get on really, really well. Yeah, so, yeah. And he's, that, he's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we definitely had our moments on the field and I didn't have much time for him. Uh, but once my career finished, <laughs> we uh, every time I see him out now, it's you know, always have, good fun. we yeah, have a good yeah, laugh yeah. about and have a good chat. So And most of the Freo guys are all the same as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, totally. we get on really well. Yeah, awesome. And uh, was there any other ones that you've had, like, run-ins, like, you know, real hard rivalries, like crowds, or, like, you had some good uh, chat on the field, anyone really, really Yeah, Stephen Dodd. So between Stephen Dodd and Ryan Crowley, they were two players that used to always tag me. And so... Obviously, you know, when you've got a bloke that um, you're running around with very close to you, you know, for four quarters, it does get a little bit frustrating. So, we, uh, Doddy and I used to um, have good punch-ons on the field. (laughs) So, (laughs) that was always uh, always good fun. But, you know, again, no hard feelings. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, then you were part of some, like, real successful teams um, uh, at West Coast, obviously, 2005. um, uh, In the grand final versus Sydney. Lost that one, but mm. then 2006 in the grand final and you won the premiership then. Tell me about those couple of years. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people say you get to lose a grand final to win one, but, um, you know, 05 sort of happened really quickly for us. We we made a grand final, but leading into the 05 grand final, like up until that series, I think, so 2002 we played finals, got knocked out first week, mm. 03 knocked out first week, 04 knocked out first week. So we hadn't won a final, so we were still a young group. Mm. And then 05, you know, we win our first two, and before you know it, we're into You're a grand there. final. Right, yeah. And it's like, whoa, gee, this, is, um, this has happened like, really quickly. Mm. But we were, you know, we were really prepared for it. We had a really good year in 05, and we, uh, we started a bit slow from memory, but, you know, I felt like we were really coming hard late, and unfortunately... We, we didn't get the job done, but it was, um, and I wouldn't say it was the driving factor for 06, but it definitely, when you lose a grand final, it makes you realise that you're not good enough mm. and you need to improve, you need to come closer together and you need to work harder. So we, uh, we got together and we, we trained really hard through that pre-season of 06 and we did everything we could to give ourselves another chance and we... Had a couple of games that I do recall in 06. One was a massive comeback game against Geelong. The only time that I've ever won in Geelong. Yeah. Down by sort of you know seven or eight goals. I think at three-quarter time to come storming home. And, and won by less than a kick. And then the following week against Carlton, who weren't going that well, but somehow found themselves up you know, by sort of seven goals against us at three-quarter time. Same thing, stormed home. So we had this belief that no matter who we played, where we played... We we will just we could just come you know storming home and, and, and beat them up sort of stuff. Um, so, and then you know coming to a final series, we uh, we lost our first final to the Sydney Swans in uh, in 06, 
which meant that we are it's elimination, we're on the road sort of stuff. So we, we played the Western Bulldogs, um, knocked them off, and then had to play in a prelim against Adelaide. And to this day, probably the best game that I've ever been involved in was mm. the 2006 prelim. So, again, down they say, by I've had, of, I've had quite a few people say the prelims are the ones oh, that you're prelims so excited are, about. Mate, prelims are probably, wins. I reckon, the best week of football too, especially for football fans yeah. because, you know, the grand final is awesome, it's great. You know, MCG is, is nothing better when it's full, but it is full of corporates as well. Mm. We're prelims. Prelims are just the you know, fans. The yeah. fans, you know, yeah, you yeah. are there supporting your club, and and we are over in Adelaide. Um, we, now we find ourselves down by four or five goals at half time. I think we'd only kicked two goals in the first half. Yeah. You know, just um, you know, Adelaide Oval just uh, deafening sort of sound. And I remember at half time, we're sort of looking around, and it was just this sense of belief that we've been in this position before. We know what to expect. We know what to do to get ourselves back in the contest, and we came out and put together the best second half ever yeah. um, that I've been a part of, and before you know it, you know, we're into another grand final. So, Unreal. And then did you play something like 23 out of 24 games or something that year? Was that yeah, some, oh, crazy I, can't, I can't remember, but I did miss, I, I did miss um, the last game of the season, yeah. and, uh, um, and the first final. So I didn't play the first final. So right. that's why I, saw, I had this big belief that in the grand final, so in the, the final where Swans beat us by, you know, a less than a kick, I think by one point, myself, Daniel Kerr, Ash Hansen all didn't play in that first final mm-hmm. and we all played in the, in the grand final. So I thought, you know, like, we lose by a point, us three can surely make up one point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. felt really confident heading into that grand final and we, um, it was a perfect day for us. It was um, It was dry. It was uh, MCG was fast and it was one of those days where it just felt really good and um, we got off to a great start. They come storming home and it was just uh, just hanging on for dear life really in yeah. the end. So an epic grand final and it was uh, really nice to, to finally hear that siren sound because you know it's again something that as a kid you sort of dream of but you never really ever think that you're going to be a, you know a premiership player one day yeah. so to be able to um you know to achieve that with not just the guys that played but you know the entire squad at the time that all played their part through 06 and to uh on the back of what happened in 05 too it was um it was bittersweet quick little break in the podcast here just a shout out to my friends over at the gifted corp who are a startup business here in perth that have ranges of gym wear street wear and other fashion they're actually the brand of shirt that i've been wearing on the podcast the last few episodes and bloody hell they are comfy and i tell you what they're great for podcasting any podcasters out there get on these very very comfy to uh chat to your guests in but if you want to uh get your hands on some of their merch all you need to do is head to the gifted corp www.thegiftedcorp or check them out on instagram uh let's get back to the podcast make sure you go buy a shirt and you win the norm smith for the yeah. grand final mm. so uh tell us about your individual game that day how many how many kicks you get, yeah. you get? i hit a couple of goals it wasn't like my stats were i think i had like 25 or so and, and a couple of goals so you know i've had plenty of games where i've had you know so much you know so many better numbers than that yeah but it was just one of those games where you know playing in a you know, different role at times and i had uh shawnee dempster Oh, so I prepared for – now, when you, you're playing games of football, you know who you're coming up against, you know the players that are going to go to you. So Dempster was a guy that had some, you know, a lot of success on me in the past. So I, you know, all week I'm preparing for Dempster. He didn't start on me. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit um, – you know, something I wasn't sort of uh, prepared for. Mm. But then early in the second quarter, I sort of started to get my mojo going, and so they sent Dempster to me. So he was uh, you know, a player that uh, you know, I had a lot of respect for, but he um, – 
you know, he was a very hard player because he was really disciplined and, uh, you know, he didn't really worry too much about getting the football. His just sole focus was stopping you from getting the balls, which is always, you know, hard to do. So I, um, I sort of had him for, um, for the day, and, but I sort of, you know, I was able to sort of get hold of him uh, a little bit. Um, but one thing I remember in the last quarter, so we were very, uh, you know, we're a very predictable side, West Coast. So what we did was that, you know, we, we backed ourselves to be a one-on-one team. We always did that and, and it probably wasn't sometimes... Um, you know, the, the best thing to do, but we believed that our best was better than the opposition. So if the opposition um, threw someone in our forward line, we go man them up. So it'd be like a seven-man forward line to a five-man forward line yep. sort of thing. So we'd have a lot of numbers in our forward line, but the opposition, you know, didn't have many numbers. So mm. at three-quarter time, Wish came up to me, and I'm not sure if I really said this too much, but he said, okay, listen, what I want you to do is I want to start you on a wing, right? And obviously Dempsey's going to go with you. But then I just want you to sort of drift back behind the football and at least have another pair in Sydney's, in Sydney's forward line. Because, you know, Barry Hall was... And Glassie was doing a really good job on him, but we know how dangerous he is. O'Loughlin was playing well. Davis, you know, is a really dangerous player. So those three, um, you know, if you at least go back there with Dempster, you can sort of help, you know, fill that hole in. So in that last quarter, I sort of played, you know, a bit of wing, a bit of half back, and just everywhere, yeah, just yeah, yeah. everywhere, yeah. yeah. So yeah, listen, it was awesome to, um, you know, to, to play well in a big game is something that you want to do. You mm. want to be um, because the more players that play well, the more chance you got to be a Premiership player, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, in 05, you know, myself and, you know, a lot of my teammates went at our absolute best. And then 06, you know, we just had everyone just playing their part. So, yeah, very proud and humble, uh, humbling to win the Norm Smith. But what I will say is that, you know, we could have had, you know, 22 Norm Smith medalists um, out on grand final day that particular day. And, and one player who I thought had a really big impact for us was Darren Glass. So Glass, he played on Barry Hall in that grand final, right? So Hawley, uh, I think, kicked you know, 70-odd for the year. Might have won the Coleman, I'm not sure. He kicked five goals in the prelim. We knew we had to, to stop him, right? Mm. Glass, he plays on Barry Hall in the 06 grand final, right? Keeps him goalless, and we win by one point. Yep. So talking about a bloke that yeah, you know, yeah, deserves yeah, yeah. to win a Norm Smith or that's a huge, or effort, that's yeah. a huge effort, you know. So he um, and that's you know that the selfless role that he played on Grand Final day, but the role that he played you know throughout his whole career, you know, just to be able to nullify the opposition and get the job done for your team. So we had a number of those sort of you know contributors um, on Grand Final day, which you know, all deserve the recognition as well. Yeah, and when you're looking back on your career with all the unreal games and moments, is Grand Final Norm Smith medal that's got to be on top? Sure. Yeah, it probably is to be honest. No, no, it's um, it. You know what? When I when I do reflect and look on the grand final, it was probably one of the the all round games. You know, one of the better all round games I've ever played. I, yeah. I probably kicked the best goal. I kicked my career in the grand final. Probably took the best mark that I ever took in the grand final as well. Which yeah, um, wicked. Which is so, a great time to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, when everyone's watching. Yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, I remember uh, watching that. So I was you know diehard Freo supporter. So I remember mm. watching 2005, 2006 grand final, 2006 grand final. I was down south in, in Albany, yeah, uh, and I remember it so well because I'd put on, uh, I don't know how old I was then, whatever I was, um, I'd put on all these bets with my uncle, my yeah. cousins, my everybody that was a West Coast supporter, so I had money out everywhere for yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And when it came down to the last night, the biggest tantrum, I went in, I was hiding for the rest of the day, yeah, yeah it, was, it was the worst, so that's a, that is in my head. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah everyone's got memories of that. Hiding, hiding under a couch, I remember, and uh, <laughs> going, no, I'm ruined, it's yeah. ruined me, this grand final. Um, and uh, you had some uh, pretty iconic teammates, yeah. so, uh, you know, Chris Jard, Ben Cousins, uh, 
um, you know, down and chick, all this sort of stuff. Um, do you have any good Ben Cousins stories? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. On or off the field, <laughs> There's probably some that, you know, you can yeah, cannot tell. But. Yeah, no, Cousin and I, um, we're good mates and we had plenty of, uh, you know, good times together. I'm just trying to think of a story that I could tell you that uh, is not – Quite R-rated. Yeah, well, R-rated is fine for <laughs> oh, me. I, 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 <laughs> so the one thing about Kaz, right, he's, um, you know, had, you know, had an enormous amount of charisma about him yeah. and he was always, you know, a very excitable kind of guy and obviously, you know, he was one of the first to, to you know, you'd call that if you wanted to go and have a beer. So he, um, I remember this one particular night, though, it was uh, <laughs> we're at my joint, right, and he's, uh, he sits to me, he's sitting there and he goes, Embers? What day is it? <laughs> and I said, oh, it's Christmas Eve. He goes, oh, shit, shit. I said, Ben, what's wrong? And he said, oh, I've forgotten to buy me Mrs. a Christmas present. Oh, no. And I'm going, oh, oh mate. No. I, said, you know, I said, mate, it's 10.30 Christmas Eve. I said, listen, there's not much open. <laughs> yeah. I think you're a bit stuffed, you yeah. know. Anyway, like, because he, you know, you can see that fertile brain of his just, you know, ticking over. Like, he's not going to take no for an no, answer. No, no, no. There's got to be a present somewhere. He yeah. goes, Embers, <laughs> I've got an idea. <laughs> I said, okay. Straight away, I'm thinking to myself, probably time to go to bed. This is not going to win well. And he, I said, what's that, Ben? He goes, I'm going to give my missus your moped. I said, what? Because, you know, you know, that motorbike that you've got, she's always wanted one of them. And I said, Ben, listen, mate. I said, you know, no, nah, that's it. That's it. So, anyway, Ben calls Chicky, right? Chicky, right? Chicky lives in Hillary's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, about 11 o'clock. New Year's Eve, yeah, no, yeah, sorry, yeah. Christmas Eve, right? So anyway, Chicky comes storming down, like I'm living in Subiaco at the time. He comes down the freeway, right, and he's white hullocks. And here we are, right, getting <laughs> my moped, right, onto Chicky's hullocks, right? And we're going over to uh, Cousy's Mrs. Joint, right, yeah, yeah. to give her a Christmas present. Now, Cousy hasn't seen her for a few days, but yeah, he's yeah. thinking this is just going to save me, oh, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, she's yeah. going to yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, Out the doghouse with this one. She's not so expecting anyway, we, this. So anyway, we sort of go over there, right, to the house, but he says to me, listen, just don't, you know, don't come in, don't, you know, don't say anything, because if she sees that when I'm with you, like, we're stuffed, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> so just let me sort it out, right? I'll give her the Christmas present, right? You know, and she's going to absolutely love us, you know? So anyway, so he gets to the front door, and he's got me motorbike, you know, it's peeking through this tree, you know? And he wheels his motorbike, right, out to the door, right? And he knock, knock, knock. Anyway, the missus walks out, and he goes... Happy birthday! Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> he goes, Ben. He goes, oh, he goes, I was going so well. I just got the Christmas and the birthday part mixed up. Oh, anyway, about oh, uh, no. about a month later, he gave the bike back to me. He said, "Oh, mate, she didn't really want it." <laughs> That so, is good. Uh, anyway, oh, that good was, uh, it was a good idea. It was a really good yeah, idea at the time, but, uh, <laughs> but that's the way he thinks, Ben. Yeah, he's yeah. been outside the square. That's all the time. <laughs> that's all the time. And uh, I guess going back for um, you know, so we skipped one forward probably there before, but back to two thousand six um, uh, stuff. What was the after party like? No, what did you? I don't know. I didn't ask that before. But yeah, what did you do? Uh, no, nah, it was a good week. It was a really good week actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a, a great time. Obviously, it's not every day that you win a grand final. Yeah, totally. So. We had a great night in Melbourne, uh, the night off the grand final, and then flew back to Perth, and we just had you know function after function, which was uh, which was great. Um, actually, while we're on Ben Cousins' story, I I'll tell you, I'm still thinking I'll about tell that. You, I'm uh, still <laughs> laughing in my head about that last <laughs> one. Sorry, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you another one while we're there. But uh, so anyway, have a great week, and then 
on the um, I think the Thursday night after the grand final, I uh, I had to have a shoulder operation, a reconstruction yep. on my shoulder that had sort of been giving me a bit of grief through that season. So, I had the shoulder operation, and we had our club best and fairest on the Friday. So I checked myself out of hospital, mm. and I went to the club best and fairest, but I was in a lot of pain. And so I ended up just leaving and just went straight back to hospital. And so, anyway, um, the Saturday morning, right, uh, this is the week after the grand final. So yep. I get a call, right, and it's Cuz. He goes, mate, where are you? I said, oh, mate, I'm back in hospital on my shoulders. He goes, mate, don't you? Don't, he goes, mate, we just won a grand final. He says, get out of hospital. <laughs> so he sends his driver, right? His driver comes, picks me up, right? So we end up going back to his joint, you know, had a um, you know, nice sort of you know, celebration. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway <laughs> cut a long story short, everything's going really well. But it must have been about sort of, you know, 3, 3 30 in the morning, right? <laughs> and he goes, what time is it? I said, oh, 3 30. He goes, oh, it's, it's his missus. He goes, he goes We've got a plane to catch. We've got a broom. I said, what do you mean? He goes, mate, we've got this trip. He goes, pack, we're, we're going to broom. I said, mate, I can't go to broom. He goes, you know what? Just come with us. I'm seeing if I can get your flight by the time we get there. <laughs> so anyway, so cousin his missus, right? They're, they're, we're in a taxi. We're going to the, to the airport, right? By the time we get to the airport, he's yeah. got me a first-class ticket to oh. broom. So I... I've got nothing he on me, right? He seems to be very generous on the back very of Ben. Very generous. So yeah. generous. So myself, Ben, his girlfriend at the time, we fly to Broome, right? <laughs> we get to Broome, and I'm thinking, I've got no accommodation or anything. And he goes, mate, listen, I'm just going to go check into my hotel, you know, Cable Beach. Um, gives a buzz in a few hours, right? So I so said, what am I supposed to do? My arm's in a sling. I'm in a bit of pain. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just cruising around the streets of Broome. Yeah. No accommodation or anything. Cuz I think was a little bit tired by the end of uh, that yeah, week totally. after the yeah, grand final. Yeah, yeah. He went to Cable Beach. He slept for four days straight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even it see him. Every, every day, every day at about three o'clock in the hour, I went there. I could see him. I was still sleeping. <laughs> and then after the fourth day, I finally saw him. He goes, "Oh, I'm going to fly back to Perth." <laughs> So, oh, yeah, so no, nah, we had some fun. Yeah, that we had so some fun. so good. I bet, I bet. That is actually awesome. And did you did you have a punch-up with Daniel Chick or something? Oh, did you say, was that something? Yeah, we had a Chick. I have told the story a few times before, but... Uh, um, yeah, Chicky and I got a punch-up one night. Um, yeah, it was a, a bit of a long story, but... Um, yeah, the good uh, Chicky and I get on really fine now, yeah. like... But at the time, there was a bit going on at the club. I was getting a massage one particular day, and... Um, and uh, he come in and started throwing some haymakers at me. Didn't do anything. And then that night I went out for dinner with uh, Curry and, um, you know, I had a couple, had a couple. And then by sort of 10 o'clock at night, I'm thinking to myself, no, nah, 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 no one comes to, you know, to, to the club and starts whacking me. You know, yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah. it. So I called Chicky up. Right? <laughs> very <laughs> professional of me to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah oh, very, yeah, mature, very. You know, so just, yep, 10 yep. 30 on a Monday <laughs> night, and I just give him this massive bake, like a real big spray. <laughs> said, How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and. Anyway, I said, okay, you want to do it properly, big guys. You know, we'll, we'll meet at the club tomorrow morning. We'll get the, you know, the gloves on. We'll put the mouth guard in and we'll punch on Let's properly. Go, like, yeah. Proper stuff, you know. And anyway, so I um, sort of forgot that I'd... Uh, that and no I'd, one can get angry at you because no, it's organised. It's organised. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I sort of um, woke up the next day, sort of forgot that I'd made the, the phone call. But I said, you know what, I've made the phone call. I need to be there. So, you know, I rock up there, get there at 7 o'clock and think, no chickies. I went and do a little, um, jumped in the spa, do a recovery. You know, very professional yeah, members yeah, to be able to do that. And and then suddenly, chicky comes storming <laughs> in. Right, it's like seven a.m. on this Tuesday morning. Right, no one around. And before you know it, like I'm like in my speedos. Right, 
going, oh, this is – we did not have time to get the gloves on. We did not have time <laughs> to put the mouth guards in. And we are just going, whack, whack, It was whack. just we, through alpha males that just smelt each other in the room and going, here we go. Peter Worsfold, um, Wush's brother, he was working at the club at the time. He was just strolling in, you know, um, start his day. He didn't know what had happened, mate. He, he, he Poor bloke has jumped in between us. <laughs> I think he copped about ten punches oh, no. too. So. But, uh, yeah, no, he got up in front of the group and we apologised – to them. Actually, funny, it was quite funny because um, Wush, uh, after we sort of apologised to the group, um, you know, Wush was sort of the back of the, uh, the room and he goes, so who won the fight? I mean, she were a sheepish and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. down sort of bit. And, and he goes, well, judging the, by the fact that there's not one bruise on both of you, it must have been a pretty shit fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's a hard yeah, man, Yeah, he's a whole hard, he's a hard man, Wush. So I said, you know what, well, fair enough, I Wush. Think, I, so, think, I think he probably understood. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah, the, boy, yeah. the, the boys being the boys. Oh, yeah, that's so, so good. Um, yeah. And um, other teammates that you had, um, there's, you know, Daniel Kerr's. Yeah, you yeah. How'd you get on with Kerr? No, Kerr's a good mate of mine. Yeah. Obviously, he's got some challenges post-football. So, um, you know, he's working through that at the moment. But, you know, I had a lot of time for Curry, one of the best players that I ever played with. Mm. Uh, yeah, he was Dean, young. Yeah. Dean Cox, great mate. Um, you know, Quinton Lynch. Did uh, you own a restaurant with Dean yeah, Cox as well? Yeah, we did, actually, yeah. Coxie and I. So, Lucky Reed reckons that you drank all the profits. No, in, uh, Dean in. ate all the profits. <laughs> Dean ate all the profits, all right? No, you still see. He gets stuck into me about putting weight on. I tell you what, you look around his tummy, mate. All those hundred dollar bills that we were making at the time, he swallowed them all. But yeah, so that's the reason why it went under in the end. He got ahead of himself and ate all the profits. But that was uh, that was a bit of fun. So we um, we had that restaurant in Claremont uh, for about four years. It was uh, we used to give these hundred dollar vouchers out to all the players, yeah. like you know, like you know, play it around sort yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, and the players would sort of you know think about coming in and using it, right? The vouchers and what were cooks, you know, I would say, say, listen, boys, don't worry about coming in by yourself or, you know, with the missus. I said, just wait till the end of the year, bring all the vouchers in together and we'll have a big lunch. So, yeah. great idea, great idea. But the thing is, by the time they actually had brought all their vouchers in, our restaurant went under. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect, <laughs> so perfect. Nick, Nick Nat's always, you know, he goes, yeah. mate, any danger of me, you, yeah, you still still got he had about 10, 10 vouchers, Nick Nat. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. still can't use them. <laughs> That's so good. All right, another quick break. Why haven't you gone and subscribed, followed, and liked the bloody episodes of the Potty Magic thus far? But uh, like I said before in the other break, it really does go a long way um, in uh, getting the podcast up the charts, getting great guests on, continuing to uh, do an episode each and every week. Um, and and, uh, yeah, it uh, just takes two minutes of your time, if you wouldn't mind, subscribing, sharing, liking, uh, and most importantly, rating the podcast. It really does go a long way um, to, uh, yeah, building potty magic and bringing you episodes each and every week. Back to the podcast. Let's go. Make sure you do it. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> post sort of 2006, what yeah. were those years um, sort of like for you? After obviously being on such yeah. high successful teams, yeah. and then there was sort of, uh, some change with personnel in terms of um, Chris Judd, mm. um, Wentz Carlton, yep. all that sort of stuff. What was that time... For you like, yeah, that was a uh, transition period for the club. Obviously, having you know, so much success, and then the players, um, you know, our team sort of, uh, you know, as you said, Juddy went to, to Melbourne, and you know, Cuz was starting to, you know, have some challenges as well, and you know, there was a lot of off-field sort of stuff going on at the time. So we probably lost uh, our way a little bit there for a few years, and we um, we probably didn't have the success that we would have liked, but it was a bit of a change in the guard. We lost some senior players, but we had these young kids sort of starting to come through. So it was a, a matter of, you know, really sort of just, 
you know, been aware, you know, of our culture and and our brand had probably been damaged um, without a doubt. So it was just coming together as a group, the players that were there and, and doing some work around, you know, what we wanted to stand for as a footy club and and to uh, to make sure that we could, um, you know, put all everything behind us um, without sweeping it under the carpet and then moving forward. So that uh, that definitely had an impact on our on-field performances, I think, for two or three years, but it was work that needed to be done. Yeah, 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 that needed to be done, as you said. So we, um, you know, were able to do that and, you know, we, we had definitely some, you know, some dull years there and, you know, Probably nothing worse than you know winning a wooden spoon, which you won in twenty ten. But then, you know, twelve months later, we played in the preliminary final, and that was an example of how quickly you can turn around when you get buy in, and we get players, you know, um, on the same page, heading in the same direction. So, yeah, it was uh, it was great. We uh, had a little bit of success there, um, sort of towards the end of my career, without you know obviously winning a flag or anything like that. But was really confident with the work that we'd done and the, the place was in a... Uh, the environment, the West Coast Eagles, was in a great place for these young kids to be able to, you know, hand the baton over to, to them and for them to, to hopefully one day win a grand final, which they were able to do in, in 2018. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, well, it is really amazing when you look at the, you know, that period there where it was mm. successful and then it was, you know, like you said, went through sort of some troublesome stuff and then really successful again. So it's just funny how just things go in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And being such a... Uh, a a successful club that West well, Coast Eagles is. It's kind of, you know, has that culture and, and people involved yeah, in it. Yeah, and that's it? the thing about the West Coast Eagles. They are a very successful club and, you know, they won, you know, great premierships and, you know, if you ask them what was their best one, they'd probably say it's going to be the next one because yeah. that's, you know, that's the mindset that they look at. It's great to be part of, you know, some success there at the West Coast Eagles. But, you know, the club is about, you know, sustained success, winning premierships, building a great culture, a great environment to be a part of and, I um you know everything to the West Coast Eagles Football Club. By the time I'd left, I'd spent almost half my life at that club. So mm. they were family to me. They mean a lot. And whilst I don't walk in there every single day, it's really nice when you do go back there to see some familiar faces and you get reminded uh, just a little bit about you know what it was like to be in that incredible environment and have some success there as yeah, well. Yeah, and have you still got a role with West Coast doing anything? No, I, I helped out with, um, with the AFLW girls in yeah. the inaugural season. That was really fun as an assistant coach. But I've, um, you know, these days with my role at Triple M and um, in calling the football, so doing all the, the commentary stuff there with all West Coast and Fremantle games. Yeah. So still, you know... Uh, at all the footy matches, but no uh, official involvement at West Coast anymore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, towards um, sort of end of your career, what was your last season that you played? 2013. 2013? Yeah. And how did you kind of know that that was starting yeah, to wrap up? Was yeah, your body going? Were you, were you more interested in yeah, other things? Yeah, you the... sort of um, – you realise that – you know, quick early in the year, I realised this was going to be my last year. So, uh, and I had a really great relationship with the the fitness coach um, Warren Coford at the time. So we obviously, you know, as you know, you know, you have your weights program, and it's you know very individualised to yep. the the person. But it was when um, uh, what's uh, what's it called again? Um, that uh, that training. Weight, weights training, yeah, cardio training. Yeah, anyway, I've had a little memory bank. I'll see if I can get back to you. Yeah. But I started doing my own sort of, you know, fitness yeah. um, in, in the weights room, knowing that it was going to be my last season. Yeah. So I just went and just basically did my own thing. Yes, um, right. So um, that was, you know, lots of fun. And the club was just like, you know what, mate, you know, you've been here for 15 years. Do whatever you like. Do whatever you like. <laughs> Do whatever you like. So it was, um, you know what, it's a great game. I am so privileged to be a part of it, you know, playing at the highest level for 15 years. This great game that 
I all I wanted to do was as a kid at the end of this season will be taken away from me. So just enjoy it for what it is. Yep. So um, I uh, I went and uh, had a great year in my last year, knowing it was going to be my last, um, but it was you know still really fun. Yeah, yeah. And then um, post retirement, you're into the media scene big time here in Perth. Like yep. you're commentating, you're on Triple M. Mm. Um, you've got to commentate some real big games, and also. Commentated with some pretty cool people. You're commentating with Dennis Kameni yep. for a few games. Yeah. Tell them what's that like? Oh, Dennis was great. Now Dennis is you know, arguably the greatest commentator to uh, ever commentate football. Yeah. And so to be able to share a box with him for maybe four years, I reckon four or five years at Triple M was just awesome. He always gave you so much time, Dan, not just to me, but to to anyone. The amount of people that I reckon he sat down and had coffee with that you know, have just wanted to, to pick Dennis's brain. And I certainly was one of those guys, so I used to uh, to chat with him a lot. Um, what tips has he got for co- what were you asking him? Oh, just just everything, just everything from, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, how can you be so calm on air without sort of, you know, going over, going over the top, you know, preparation, you know, what what do you do to you know, prepare yourself for a game? Obviously, you know, with commentary, you, you need to know every single player. You need to watch a lot of football during yeah. the week. Um, you know, any special tips about uh, you know, not getting players mixed up and um, that sort of stuff. So. No, he was great, and I really enjoyed my time with him. So he's uh, obviously enjoying some retirement at the moment, but, yeah, definitely someone that I had an enormous amount of respect for. Yeah, yeah, and uh, in terms of, like, your own, like, media career now, is there anything that's on the horizon that you're going, great, this is where I want to get to with your commentating? Yeah, or, I... Um, um, the radio show or anything like that? Yeah, or? it's obviously got the show now, The Rush Hour, yeah. which is, like, 20% sport, which has really opened up my world to... You know, I, I thought, you know, I'm a footballer, my identity is footy, it's all I know, sport, but... The reality is, like, everything is content. Everything's a story out there. Of course, and yeah. I, I love doing the rush hour probably more than the footy commentary because it's, uh, it's, it's just it's live, it's local, you know, it's loose, it's Perth stuff. But, you know, you can just, you know, you can just tell a story and relate it to, you know, the listeners hopefully in the car that are enjoying listening to you. And, and that bloody jingle you got, the rush hour. Yeah, that, the oh, my rush. God, in my head, <laughs> like, oh, just mate. all the time. Yeah. You've done well with that. Yeah. <laughs> my, kids, my kids hate it. Like, they go, you know, that Triple M is such an old man station. So every time I hop in the car... Well, the they, music um, department's nailed that yeah, one, the jingle. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's just great fun, and I enjoy, you know, I love working with the team here at Triple M, and... They um they've given me a you know great opportunity and it's, uh and it's an enormous amount of fun. Yeah, yeah. And um outside of uh, commentary stuff, what else have you got going on? You've got you're obviously involved with Catalano Seafood. Yep. Yeah, so really good mate of mine, uh, Andrew Catalano. He um you know runs the factory out there at Catalano. It's great WA family owned business. So and did that kind been... of start with your cooking your cooking stuff? That yeah, you used to do? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So a lot of cooking um with seafood with yeah. them. So they've got a great factory out there in Bassendine. So. About four days a week, I'll go out there in the mornings and, and just do a little bit with them. I've sort of got a business development role with them. Yeah. But it's um, the one thing football did teach me is the importance of having structure yep. in your life, you know, routine structure. And when in the past I haven't had that, you, know, you just get distracted so easily. So I, um, you know, I, I love going to work at Catalano's in the morning. You know, I'll go home, maybe have some lunch with the wife, and then I will come and uh, and do you know an afternoon here at Triple M. So it's uh, it's Pretty a really awesome. great routine yeah. to get into, and you know I'm really blessed and, and fortunate of the you know the, the jobs that I do have. Yeah, and you've got a lovely family as well that I see on your Instagram yeah, stories. Yeah, and I'm just really blessed. Yeah, and I got a wonderful family, um, which is uh, I got a new uh, 
uh, daughter that's yeah, in the fold now. Thank you. So she's uh, geez, she's grown up pretty quick. She's just over four months now. So crazy, crazy. It's uh, teenager and newborn in the same household. Wow, is, uh, such a range there. It's <laughs> uh, never a dull moment. Can I just say? But yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. And the beautiful place that's always on your story, which looks like just an oasis. Yeah, and a yeah. Winery. Where is that? Yeah, is yeah. It's a little definitely not my place. No. no, no. <laughs> That's uh, my wife's family got a lovely property down south, so Beautiful. we um, we do try to get down there where we can, and it's um, you know definitely a lovely part of the world. I think down south, as everyone knows, yeah, definitely. And the other real reason why I wanted to come and do this podcast, not just to hear the great mm. stories, was to get you back fucking training down. Body Mate, oh, that's how we goodness. actually know well, each other. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So this time last year, right, oh. I said I need some help. Right, yeah. I lost just over ten kilos. Yeah, it was looking unbelievable. The unbelievable. before and afters oh. are top notch. They're real top notch. And then, like, say they've sold many pro. Programs. People see those ones. They make, me, they make me money, those ones. That's right. But then put the 10 back on plus interest. <laughs> so losing the 10 kilos was the easy bit. It was like, how do I actually maintain that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. for blokes that make excuses, for guys that are time poor like me, yeah. I need some advice. I mean, I, you know, I know what a... Well, know what it takes to get fit, yeah, but yeah. I don't have time anymore. So yeah. help well, me. Mate, well, we've got to. We just got to work out something that's just going to again work in with the schedule. The yeah. best type of exercise is one that you enjoy doing, and then you're yeah. able to do multiple times per week. Because if you do it, as you know, with anything, multiple times per week, you're mm. going to get pretty good at it. Yeah. So um, whether that's a walk before triple M, no, I don't know if you've got a coffee break. Go for a walk down the coffee shop. That's a little bit. Uh, what's I'm getting fingers. Stairs. Oh, the stairs. The stairs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Do the, the stairs. stairs. That's the right. Stairs. Exactly right. Um, but um, yeah, it's so much more important about you actually finding something that you enjoy doing mm. rather than going, okay, this is the structured plan, which can work for a, a short period of time, like you know, like what we did and we were following that program, did really well. Yeah. But it's also about, like you said, maintaining it and making sure it's something you enjoy and you can continue to do well after that. So um, I think that's what we've got to work out. So what right. do you, where, where, how do you, what do you enjoy doing? What's the exercise you actually oh, enjoy doing? I like running, yeah. but the thing is I'm probably too heavy to run at the moment, so I need yeah. to lose some kgs. And yeah. once I do that, then I've always enjoyed just, uh, you know, just putting the shoes on, just Heading out the front door and just just going for a jog, put the yeah. uh, the earpods in. So I enjoy that. Um, weights and stuff I've always probably struggled to do, like just going to the gym. Yeah. But in saying that, like, there's no reason why I've got some dumbbells at home. Like, I've got a medicine ball at home. There's no reason why I can't yeah. just actually rather than sit on the couch and watch some TV, yeah. go down for twenty minutes. Yeah. I guess it's like anything. It's it just and it doesn't structure. have to be long. It's just twenty minutes. Twenty and minutes. It's just doing yeah. it consistently. That's the whole thing. Perfect. And uh, and in terms of the actual like weight loss stuff, as you know, when we were doing stuff before, you just got to not. Eat as much, pretty much. That's it's exactly so much right. easier to actually do it on the food end than what it is on the exercise end. So diet's definitely something I need to focus yeah, on. Yeah, so. yeah. Love it. Well, uh, we're going to get that bloody sorted. Yeah, for sure. And uh, thank good, you so mate. much for uh, coming on the podcast. Thanks and telling for having us me. Some ripper stories. Yeah. So good. And, um, uh, letting us do it here at Triple N's been bloody awesome. Uh, thank you very much. Good on you, man. Too good. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Good, Cheers, man. Man. Appreciate it. Bye. Another episode of Potty Magic all wrapped up. Thank you so much for tuning on in. That was a cracker chat, honestly. Some of those stories there had me in stitches for... Uh, I was just thinking about them on the way home and just laughing to myself. That was so good. Uh, but I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you rate, uh, share, subscribe to uh, my spot. Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube channels. And also, most importantly, if you could uh, rate the podcast a big five stars, because that's a bloody five-star episode if I've ever seen one, that one. But uh, love your work. Thanks for tuning on in, and I'll see you next episode. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.